This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show where (laughs) 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 Seth Rogen's a fucking superhero. Yeah, that's right. Michelle Gondry, famous director of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, among other things, said, Hey, one what's a good idea? Seth Rogen, superhero. Sign me up. (laughs) <laughs> was Seth Rogen is a writer on this. So. Yeah, he was. And Evan Goldberg, this movie's from 2011. It is the Green Hornet. We should say that. The ghost of Roger Ebert uh, pointed his bony finger down and pointed to it and said, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> Have you ever seen this thing before? Yes, I've seen this thing, I think, once before. What were your initial thoughts on this one? I was like, huh, Seth Rogen as a superhero don't see it and then the movie was like you shouldn't that's pretty fair actually and what about this time through watching it with your eyes that have now watched 138 superhero movies leading up to this one this is number 130 wow wow um didn't hate it thought i was gonna like it a lot less than i did the first time and this time i was like okay this is a movie this exists this is very 2011 Uh uh-huh it's it's fun it's seth rogan is a superhero come on you came around (laughs) Sorry. Kind of. <laughs> what were your th- This is your first time, right? Yeah, this is my first time seeing it. And let me just bite the pin off this hand grenade. <laughs> I liked it. Hey. Uh huh. Who are you? I don't know, but I watched it and I laughed occasionally and I went, this story is actually kind of fun despite nothing happening. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Maybe it was like just the perfect Sunday night movie for me. Like, I don't have to put too much thought into it. Seth Rogen's a superhero. Who gives a damn? Just sit and watch it. It'll be great. And then it was totally fine. And I liked it. You know, not every movie has to be Citizen Kane. Or Spawn. That's right. Sometimes you fall in the middle. Can't believe that we're comparing Citizen Kane and Spawn. I mean. But here we are. That's what we've devolved into. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god that's gonna get so old yeah and is. i'm not giving up no i mean i'm not <laughs> i don't know if i know how to laugh the normal way anymore i've been practicing a seth rogan laugh all day probably not getting it doesn't matter <laughs> you gotta channel him that's all it is that's you right. gotta get in his skin and become him i feel like you'd get a contact high just from trying <laughs> that's pretty fair actually <laughs> you just want to get into this thing yeah let's get into it let's start out with a flashback. A little boy, Britt Reed, got in trouble at school, so his father, played by Tom Wilkinson, Tom fucking Wilkinson! That's that's what I said, isn't it? You show Tom some respect, damn it! You mean Tom fucking? All right, apologies to the entire Wilkinson family. We will send you flowers. You mean the fucking Wilkinson family? (laughs) (laughs) Britt Reed's father, James Reed, Tom fucking Wilkinson, Rips the head off of an action figure because, damn it, this kid needs to get over his dead mom already. <laughs> it's been, I don't know how long. The way that they're portraying it is that she's not even cold yet. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so what? Your mom's dead. You can't just be getting in trouble all the time. 
Stop getting in trouble and stop thinking about your dead mom. I certainly stopped. Don't talk to Tammy or Cinnamon that keep coming in every single night. <laughs> I think that was like the best I could do of thinking of stripper names on the fly. It was pretty Tammy good. Tammy and Cinnamon. Tammy and Cinnamon. It could be stripper names, could be very small dogs. <laughs> could be, actually. Just a couple of chihuahuas. Here, Tammy. Take off your collar, Tammy. Oh, do it. This do is it for, weird. Do it for Tommy Wilkes, baby. <laughs> Tommy fucking Wilkes. Apologies to the entire Wilkes family. We're going to cut to 20 years later. <laughs> As you do. And James Franco is here because of course he is. Because he needed a job and he said, you know what? I'm going to make some really questionable choices in around eight years. <laughs> so let me do a green orange. <laughs> He's playing Danny Crystal Clear, the newest drug lord in town. And this rubs Chudnovsky the wrong way. Chudnovsky, of course, being Christoph fucking Waltz. Oh, yeah. Fresh off the Oscar, too. Oh, man. And he is, of course, the city's current crime kingpin. He owns the entire city. So James Franco showing up, not going to make him happy. Nope, not at all. And Franco immediately disrespects him and tells him that he's old and not scary, and it's time to retire. I could listen to James Franco list out things that make Christoph Waltz old for like a day straight. Easy. It's just amazing. He's like, listen, you go home, you drink your Metamucil. <laughs> you make sure that you get on 11 a.m. every single morning. Price is right. It's 2011. I don't know if Drew Carey's there or if it's Bob Barker at the time. I'm unsure of the timeline of that show for this joke, but here we are. <laughs> Regardless, go and spay and neuter Cinnamon and, and Tammy. Exactly. And make sure that 3 p.m. you're there for the Blue Plate special and Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. Chudnovsky. I like his last name so much because everyone's like, what is that? That's nothing. That's such a weird name. It's bizarre. It's what you want to lean into. Chudnovsky. The whole not scary bit really sticks with Chudnovsky. So he pulls out his super cool double barrel handgun and kills the henchmen around Franco. There's four henchmen standing around, two on either side of Franco. And he just fires one shot to the left, one shot to the right. And you watch both of them drop and you're like, that's pretty cool. That's a neat trick. I like that. And I like how he walks over to James Franco after. He's like, yeah, that's my double-barreled gun. It was really hard to make. <laughs> and I appreciate that. I do, too. I like This guy, he's a straight shooter, but also. <laughs> but I like how he's so worried about not being able to like invoke fear into people. Yeah. And that just makes him more terrifying. Exactly. Because you know that deep down he's like, no, I am very, very scary. I am so scary. You know how scary I am. But he asks James Franco, holding him at gunpoint, for advice on how to be more scary. And Franco panics, and he's like, I don't know, maybe a better name, a different outfit, or a cool catchphrase. And we will get there. <laughs> we will get there. <laughs> Chudnovsky walks out, leaving Franco alive to spread the tale. Or maybe not, because then he blows up the whole building. Right, and this building explodes just like all buildings explode. Neon exterior sign first. <laughs> that's the way. That's always followed the... by the rest of the building. <laughs> it's the warning shot. The sign is like, oh, we're we're going. When I saw that, I was like, that's definitely going to blow up. He left his briefcase fine. And then when you see the neon sign with like the sparks and stuff, you're like, did you only have one shot for sure? And you blew it. <laughs> if it wasn't in slow motion, you might not notice, but. But Michel Gondry, he's very artistic. He's going to remind us of that later repeatedly he's gonna certainly make an attempt to remind us we catch up with Britt reed again the kid from the first scene but now he's a grown-up seth rogan 
and he likes to party. Loves it! He is quite a partier, and we see this for very extended opening credit sequence <laughs> yes, we of do. him partying. <laughs> I like how it's Seth Rogen being Seth Rogen for the most part. Yeah, pretty much. And I'm kind of for it. It's like it's like a hey, remember when we told you that Seth Rogen is going to be a superhero? Don't worry, he's still going to be Seth Rogen. <laughs> right. Like you know he's about to become a superhero, but the difference between him and let's say Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt very large funny man at this time. Right. Chris Pratt decided to do a couple push-ups, one or two, and become a proper superhero. And Seth Rogen just did bong rips for forever. <laughs> Seth Rogen and stayed Seth Rogen. He actually lost 30 pounds for this role. Ah, uh, okay. I'll believe you. W- wasn't enough, but <laughs> he did it. Uh, that's probably enough. <laughs> 30 pounds, that's kind of like, I don't know, how many bags of the weeds? <laughs> 60? Like, Is that enough? Mini John C. Riley. <laughs> yeah, no, I realized I was going to do a John C. Riley most of this episode anytime I tried to do a Seth Rogen. Yeah. Can't differentiate the two voice-wise, like, with my mouth. My ears do a great job. My mouth does a terrible job. Just a lower-pitched John C. Riley. <laughs> might be true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you do it down here instead of all the way up here. You leave me, me, and my monkey. <laughs> <laughs> After a particular night of partying, as Seth Rogen does, he wakes up to his delicious morning latte, Anna Lee Tipton, and... His angry father, telling him he's wasting his life and making him look bad in his own damn newspaper. I like the scene leading up to this, too, because you have Seth Rogen go into this garage, and there are so many nice cars down there. So many nice cars. And he decides to make out with this girl just on every car as the camera just sort of goes around the room. And it's like sped up, so it's very quick and artistic looking because Michel Gondry (laughs) said But this is like the most unnecessary and artistic and well shot, this guy is rich scene. Oh, for sure. That's all you're doing is establishing it. You're just like, all right, fine. We get it. He's rich. Oh, we're going to keep going with the shot? There's more cars. Got it. Uh Uh-huh. There's a lot more cars. Oh, Bugatti. Oh, they don't touch that one. Weird. That's strange. (laughs) Yeah. He's rich. We get it. Thank you, movie. And and now his dad is mad. And his dad's like, hey- and stop making out with girls in, on my, in my garage. <laughs> I'll change the key, the lock. That's what he says. So dad's mad. And, sure uh, is. He's going to go stew about it in the garden. That's where all dads stew, as we yeah. all know. Got to go look at some flowers because I'm so if frazzled. S- if you see your dad in the garden, just know he's pissed off at you. That's true. And then we do a weird cut to Britt returning home in a limo with another girl from some other time. Apparently, because time has passed, <laughs> we think. Right. Because he's, he's arriving at the place that he just was at with a different person. So we know time has passed. And uh, there's a bunch of news media there. And they're all like, hey, how are you dealing with the death of your father? And he's like, what? It is a pretty bizarre way to learn about it, isn't it? Yeah. Because he's all like, oh, paparazzi, bring it on. I look like Seth Rogen. Surely they want to see my face. Brent, <laughs> uh, how are you dealing with the death of your father? I'm doing just fine. Did he die? Sorry, I was at the movie theater seeing my girl. Because <laughs> bees. That's right. Because he died with, from a bee sting. The dad died from a bee sting, an allergic reaction. So there you go. Probably shouldn't have been so mad in the garden. 
That's right. That's where the bees are. Love your children or go somewhere else. I understand that every dad gets angry and they go to the garden to let off some steam. Bees hate steam. They hate it so much. <laughs> At the funeral, everybody's telling him how great his dad was, and they unveil a statue of him. And he's like, <laughs> so fucking arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this statue we made of, of James Reed, the, the guy who owns that one paper. Right. And they're like saying, oh, it's to honor him. And it's like, no, he's like lording over his own corpse. It's weird. It's very weird. Just do me a favor. When I die, don't put a giant statue of me over my grave. <laughs> well, you shouldn't have put any ideas in my head. All right, do it. I'll probably be okay with it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad because, like, the first place in my head, I was like, all right, dead Brian. How are we going to honor that? And then I instantly thought of Whitest Kids You Know, the scene where Trevor hangs himself, that skit, and they end up putting, like, this thumb up his butt as he tries to, like, spear <laughs> oh, his way God. out. And yeah. they put the gay porn on his arm because he want to get found in the paparazzi show up. Like, oh, what a scoop. And then I remember <laughs> that Trevor just died, and I went, wow, I just brought myself down. And now I kind of yeah. wish Brian would die so that it's, like, it balances out a little bit. So I don't feel so bad about Trevor. I could tell we watched a DC movie last week because that was dark. Yeah. And that was, like, a happy-go-lucky DC movie. Yeah. And, and you, you know what? Johnny Cash in this movie, too. We're, we're two weeks. <laughs> it blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, really? More Cash? Let's keep going. This is a great road to be on. You know what? Here's the thing. If you kick the bucket, like fairly recently from now, this is what we do. Get a giant statue to lure it over yourself. Yeah. It's going to be eating a Wawa hoagie. Of course. It has to but be. But also, on your corpse. Sorry, bud. We're going to open casket for you. So don't do anything <laughs> to the moneymaker if you can. All right. I'll try. Gonna put a starfish on your face. Oh, yeah. I want people to think that you got starrowed. That's that's pretty good. Only if you're gonna play some Johnny Cash, though. Of course, I'm gonna play Johnny Cash. Can we put like a like a Bluetooth speaker in the in the statue that just plays cat? No, not just Cash. <laughs> also, what's the point of it being Bluetooth at that point? None. It Zero. Could just, it could just be a speaker, right? <laughs> Why bring technology into the into your your death scene here? Right. All that There's does no is no reason for age it. my corpse, which. It can't do anyway. It so. can't do, because technically, it's stopped. Right. Aged. Done. Past tense. Finished. Done so. Star on the face. Exactly. <laughs> uh, how do I segue out of this? District if Attorney. If you guys want to become patrons, what's the most that people have done? I know we have a few 10-buckers. We have a few 10-buckers. If we get like a 50-bucker. Oh, no. And you kick the bucket. I will show up and put a star on your face. Wow. I'll do it for you. That, you heard it here first. The $50 stretch goal. That's for the Patreon. Is Exactly. We show up and we put a star in your face and your mom's going to be like, who the hell are you? What are you doing? And I'll be like, you shut up, mom. $50 pledge. All right? We <laughs> he, promise. He wanted this and I can prove it. <laughs> literally paid us to do this oh my goodness and if your dad's upset we'll just go tell him to go fuck off to the garden or something why don't you go hang out in the garden (laughs) (laughs) also at this funeral of course district attorney frank scanlon played by david fucking harbour he looks so different he looks so young maybe that's what it is he's like i just saw him as red garden you're just like wow you are weathered (laughs) well he spent all that time in the gulag that's a good point and also, you know, in the Upside Down. That also happened. That's correct. But anyway, David Harbour's like, hey, man, my dad's dead, too. We should drink about it sometime. And then they don't. 
And yeah. <laughs> so it is completely fucking pointless. Brent's like, yeah, cool. Thanks, man. Cool. We'll bond over dead dads. It'll be great. Thanks for telling me how great my dad was. <laughs> my dad who I hated so damn much. <laughs> So, uh, obviously, Britton inherits his father's newspaper, the Daily Sentinel, and he, he tells his Edward James Olmos that he doesn't know a damn thing about newspapers, and he can do whatever he wants with it. I find it really interesting how you have newspapers yet again. The old trope has reared its ugly head. It's amazing how long it's stuck around, because obviously this is a very old IP. So newspapers, yeah, sure, that makes sense. But they're still doing it. They're still they doing newspapers. They are still doing it. So after his, his rough day, Britt goes home, goes to sleep. He wakes up the next morning, and his coffee tastes like shit. Right, doesn't have the little fancy leaf in it. So he's like, who makes my coffee? And he finds out that it's a, it's a guy named Kato. The best part of the movie, Kato? The best part of the movie, Jay fucking Chow, Kato. On another level in this movie. Just so good. Kato was James Reed's mechanic, and he started making him coffee because... Because James Reed was like, how come nobody can make me a good cup of coffee? Kato took it as a challenge and then built a badass coffee machine. A sick espresso machine that's got all these custom f- switches and whatnot. So obviously Britt and Kato hit it off. And Britt's like, Kato, tell me your tale. I love this. Just because Seth Rogen has nothing at this point. He's like, there's a guy here. I'm drinking coffee. He makes badass coffee. He's got this gadget that makes this sweet coffee. Let's bond over this, I guess. I suppose. So Kato's like, all right, uh, from Shanghai. And Britt's like, I love Japan. <laughs> so, you know, good start. Uh-huh. And they kind of bond over how much of a dick James Reed was. Which is terrific. It's so good. And then Kato's like, hey, let me show you all this cool stuff I did to your dad's car collection. Like bulletproof glass and the wheels that do the Ben-Hur shit. I never thought I'd hear Ben-Hur shit right? in anything in my life. And here we are. Unbelievable. The two of them start drinking, and Britt asks Kato what he really thought of his father. He's like, I can take it. Come on, tell me. He's like, he was a bit of a dick. Uh-huh. And then they get real drunk, and then Britt tells the story of the first scene of the movie with the, the rip of the head off of the action figure. And then he gets the idea that they should go to the cemetery and decapitate his statue. <laughs> now, here's the thing about the decapitation of said statue. For $100 on Patreon, after Brian dies and we put up the statue, <laughs> you can join me in person to decapitate the Brian statue. I feel like you don't ask to have a statue of yourself made if you don't want somebody to decapitate it and keep your head. Someone's going to mess with that thing. There's never been a statue that's never been not messed with. That's why you got to get statue insurance. <laughs> that's right. This episode is brought to you by... <laughs> I wouldn't even know who would sell statue insurance. Is that a thing? I feel like- Hold on. Maybe- Statue insurance. Maybe farmers, because they've seen a thing or two. All right. Well, the first one that came up- Boom, 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 boom. Well, they're talking about statutes. That's not what I That's want. That's different. That's like all sorts of law. Did you, I'm just did not you type it right? <laughs> I typed it right, and then it says like, oh, did you mean statute insurance? Like, I fucking did not, No, Google. I want to insure my statues. I want to insure my Brian statue that I'm going to decapitate. Well, now you're getting into fraud already, and you're on you're on record doing it. No one listens to this shit. Gotta hide Come the on. sushi now. <laughs> we'll get I'll there. I'll turn over the records of our Patreon patrons, our favorites, and I'll say, start at 150. Here's our list of favorites. <laughs> That's who did it. <laughs> I see. So for just $100 a month on, on <laughs> Patreon, you could be our scapegoat. 
I said 150, didn't I? You no, did. 150 on Patreon. I turn around and don't watch whatever you want to do. To, to my statue. The decapitated Brian statue. No one will watch. You got five minutes. Wow. Go. Go to town. Wow. I'm flattered. I'm glad? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> same offer for all of this for Dave, but at 10% the cost. <laughs> it's pretty deserved. That's right. For a $5 donation, <laughs> I will, will put a star in his face at his funeral. <laughs> for $15, you can do whatever you want to a statue. Yep. That's still too good for me. You're right. <laughs> So while leaving the scene of the crime with a disembodied statue head, Britt witnesses a couple getting attacked by a group of 'er ne'er-do-wells. That's right. I call them 'er ne'er-do-wells. Yeah, they're 'er ne'er-do-welling. They're certainly not 'er doing well. As 'er ne'er-do-wells want to do. They ne'er want to do well. (laughs) So he yells at the gang to leave the couple alone, and they start chasing him. And then Cato kicks everybody's ass. It is wild, because Michelle Gondry said, hey, (laughs) <laughs> Y'all know me, still the same old G. <laughs> yada, 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 you forgot about Gondry. Hold my wine, I'm going to do <laughs> art. He did the art because, like, Cato is standing on top of a car, and then a lot of cars appear that he runs over <clears throat> for reasons unknown. Yup. And he's like, no, I stopped time. It's like, you fucking didn't. <laughs> you you just, just showed more cars, and we understand <laughs> your French. So, art? This symbolizes... That it takes less time to run across the trunk lid of a car. Because <laughs> right. there's more of them. So it takes longer to show that he's doing it really quick. Exactly. It's French. You get it. So after Cato kicks everybody's ass, they get into the car, and they're immediately being chased by cops. Because, I don't, I don't know, they, they got away, and then Cato got away too well and attracted more cop attention. He drove so fast and did such a cool car trick that the cops were just like, we should go after them. This guy is suspicious. Let's chase him. And then they get to use all the fun toys in the car. In their the Ben Hur shit. The Ben Hur shit. And the bulletproof windows come in handy because this That's cop is right. just like, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Yeah, he didn't hesitate at all. No, he didn't. But they get away, which is good. You want your, your heroes to get away so there's more movie. <laughs> It'd be weird if they didn't. <laughs> and they, they got shot and they died, and that was the end of the movie. Very short flick. If only. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying that. I like this stupid movie. Uh, yeah, it is two hours long, though. <laughs> it sure is, and oh boy, do you feel it. It feels two hours Uh-huh. Back at Britt's mansion, the two decide this is their chance to do something meaningful with their lives. They're going to fight crime. But the problem with superheroes is that everybody knows they're the good guys. So Britt's like, got it. We're going to pose as criminals, so our enemies, they won't, they won't suspect it's us, and also... They can't use hostages to try to take advantage of us. They can't get us by the balls by try shooting innocent people because they think we're bad guys. It's sort of brilliant. It's kind of pretty sound, actually. I love this setup. And yes, that is true Green Hornet. Love it. He kind of gets away with a lot of things because everybody thinks that he's a criminal too, but he's also saving lives and saving the day on the side. It's wonderful. Doing bad for good reasons. Exactly. And it's not like this character was just created yesterday. Greenhorn has been around since January 31st, 1936, created by George W. Trendle and Fran Stryker, of course. Duh. I love how the Greenhorn itself, and I know I'm diverging a little bit from the movie that we're talking about here, but when else am I going to get to talk about this stuff? Because it's a Seth Rogen superhero movie. (laughs) 
this is one of those like old school properties that kind of falls under the Zorro category a little bit. Yeah. Where it's owned by Green Hornet Inc., but they're not wow. nearly as dickish as Zorro is with their stuff. Oh, they have they're that very like lock. picky because yeah. the comic book rights for this license to Dynamite Entertainment, it pops up every now and then. Kevin Smith has done a run of this as well. Mm-hmm. He's met up with like the Justice League in the past. Greenhorn's been around. For sure. And the cool thing that, that about this change in character is the Green Hornet has always been brilliant. <laughs> and the change they made is they made him Seth Rogen because Seth Rogen does not have these following abilities. Even his character that he wrote for himself does not have these abilities. Genius level intellect, <laughs> expert detective, and skilled in hand-to-hand combat. Nope. Nope. That's a, that's a blank box. No check marks there. All this character has is money and a newspaper. That's it. So he's Iron Man with a newspaper. More or less. <laughs> and he has a Kato. Never forget. He has a Kato, which is actually his best weapon. Realistically, it's his only weapon. That's true. It's funny you mentioned Kevin Smith in there, because he was attached to direct this at one point. That's correct. To and write I'm and direct. Very happy he didn't. Me too, because he wanted, he wanted Jake Gyllenhaal as his Brit Reed. Pass. And uh, yeah, I feel like that's been done. I can't imagine that though. Be like, oh, Cato, how many how many asses did you kick on your way through the parking lot? Thirty seven. <laughs> Try not to kick any asses. Yeah, <laughs> on your way through the park. Same joke. Same joke. Uh, what you uh-huh. said, but not as funny because you already said it. I think it did great because Seth Rogen <laughs> talks so fucking much in this movie that you could just repeat anything you want, and yeah. I'll just think he's still in the same sentence yeah kevin smith uh was attached to this after uh this director maybe you've heard of him michelle gondry uh-huh in 97 he was attached to to direct this movie and then he was like no <laughs> soccer blue no after going through george clooney greg kinnear uh, vince vaughn and mark Wahlberg as his brit reads he was like yeah, you know what maybe not maybe seth rogan in the future somehow eventually it came back around to seth rogan Somehow. I always confuse him with George Clooney and Greg Kinnear. Of course. Who doesn't? I'm all of them blind. <laughs> and let's not forget that they wanted Nick Cage for Bloodnovsky for this version. Oh, shit. Better movie. I can't believe I'm saying <laughs> But But here's the thing. Nick Cage wanted to do it with a Jamaican accent. Why can't actors just do what they want to do? They're clearly trying to embody the character. They understand the process of the actor. <laughs> Why can't the studios of the directors just back the fuck off and let Nick Cage have a Jamaican accent? <laughs> I like that Nick Cage looked at the script and went, Bloodnovsky, Jamaican. <laughs> uh, what's the character's name? <laughs> Bloodnovsky? Ira. <laughs> Oh, traditional Jamaican name. Got it. <laughs> I'm in character now. Nick, why are you wearing sandals on set? Because there's a resort in Jamaica. <laughs> and I'm just staying in character. Uh, I like that <laughs> Nick Cage is very similar to Michael Scott. <laughs> With the one the one beaded hair that he has. <laughs> I want that, and I want it now. I mean, different I never movie for sure. That I would not want Christoph Waltz in a role. I didn't know this was on the table. 
<laughs> the more you know. Britt goes into the Daily Sentinel the next day, and he tells the reporters he wants this criminal plastered all over the paper. He decapitated my dad's heads on his statue. That's that's my dad, not yours. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. It's not like a Tommy Boy situation of like, it's your dad. <laughs> It's with a bull, I get it, but still, it counts. Yeah, no, it's it's the same thing, basically. Or maybe that's a road trip scenario with the dog and the peanut butter. Oh, no. Doesn't matter! Doesn't, Keep going! Doesn't this matter. movie's great so far. Uh, inspired by the fatal sting that his father suffered, Britt dubs the criminal the Green Bee. <laughs> I love how the room's just like... No. No, that's that's lame. That's that's not great. But then I also love how they start discussing like the green something. The or green whatever. decapitator? I love this round table. It's great. And it's K- a great scene. I love that Kato's just like Green Hornet and, and Brit's like, no, not that. And they're like, Oh, what was that? Green Hornet? That's actually better. It's like, you're sure not the green bee? Uh, no, we're sure. We're definitely not the green bee, but yeah, let's go with the green hornet. It's so rare that you get these types of scenes, though. It's so much fun. I love it. I want more scenes like this where Absolutely. people stand around and try to debate what they're going to call something. So this silver surfer guy? <laughs> it was great then, too. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, I didn't even mean to do that. The paper runs, and the Green Hornet's name rises in notoriety. D.A. Scanlon and Chudnovsky take note. We know it because we see them taking note. That's right. <laughs> Great direction, Michelle. <laughs> Back at the Sentinel, Lenore Case, played by Cameron fucking Diaz. Uh-huh. She has arrived for her very pre-Me Too interview as Britt's <laughs> temporary secretary. Um, Just assume that Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen's all over the screen here. And you're right. Let's assume that Seth Rogen, James Franco's all over the screen here. <laughs> Maybe that's actually more appropriate. <laughs> I don't know, because Seth Rogen never took any pictures of himself and sent them to Cameron Diaz in this movie. Not on screen. And Cameron Diaz is of legal age. Big difference. 36, and he makes sure to let her know that, wow, that's really fucking old. <laughs> so I like how they covered the whole sexual harassment thing and ageism. Just Two birds, one stone. One fell swoop. Uh-huh. One, one Bloodnovsky gun. <laughs> it was really hard to make. <laughs> so Lenore studied journalism and criminology. So Britt and Cater are like, oh, what, what do you think the, the Green Hornet will do next then? Right. This is possibly the only case in cinematic history of deus ex criminology. <laughs> yep. <laughs> What's his next move? What do you think he's going to do? And I also like how this movie thinks that everyone's so stupid that they explain what criminology is. It's like, oh, the criminology, study of the, the study criminal of how mind. criminals think. How amazing. So what do you think? Is that is that them pandering to the audience, or is that just Seth Rogen? Unsure, and it's hard <laughs> to tell. It's sometimes, it's like, wow, are they, are they dumbing it down for us, or are they dumbing it down for Seth? Sacre bleu! Thank you for visiting my set, Jean Favreau! This has been (laughs) such a great visit. Thank you for bringing your heavy hands. Much obliged. (laughs) So obviously, Britt hires Lenore as his permanent secretary because she has balls. And he sets her on Green Hornet research pretty much all the time. Right. So Kate is going to retrofit the Black Beauty, which is this sweet 1965 Chrysler Imperial. One of my favorite names for a movie car, also. 
Like, I'm a big fan of it. It's a great name. They should name a horse after the, this car. That's right. They looked at the horseman. How many powers you got? One? <laughs> One <laughs> you horseman. bitch. Lame. Oh, God. Hey, maybe when you're running around Belmont, don't break down. They'll shoot you. Ah. The difference between you and this car is it's bulletproof. <laughs> yeah. Parts of it are held together by your ancestors. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I heard your ancestors got the best hooves in town. Can't wait to make glue out of it. Mm-mm-mm. Why did I say that like I'm going to eat the glue? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're like a weird fourth grader. It's like, what do you got cooking there for craft, arts and crafts time? Elmer's? Mm-mm-mm. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. I, sometimes I switch the Campbell's slogan and the Elmer's. I don't know what that does about the soup because I don't think Elmer's has a slogan. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I can see Seth Rogen sitting there with like a glue stick like undoing it like... <laughs> And he takes a bite, and he passes it to Michelle Gondry. He's like, oh, Michelle, I think he likes it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's Life Cereal. That's it is glue. Life Cereal. <laughs> Elmer's Still counts. Life Cereal. It's a slogan. So there's all sorts of awesome weapons on this car. And Britt, meanwhile, is trying to create a costume with like his stick figures. and It's a fun montage. It is a fun montage because this movie has a lot of fun things in it and it has me in a really weird headspace talking about it. Well, that's the Seth Rogen for you. I think we should start every episode with a Seth Rogen laugh and just see what happens. I feel like it it sets the mood right. So the Green Hornet and Cato take to the streets, starting small and working their way up through the criminal underground, just like Lenore suggested they might. And they attack a group of drug dealers. And once again... Kato kicks all of the ass. Right. Seth Rogen gets his ass kicked, and then Kato comes to the rescue. Saves and he's the got day. this weird thing where his eyes, like, they zoom into it, and then he can identify, like, all the weapons and the people. Yeah. And he's like a robot man. He's like, I could stop time, or whatever kind excuse of. they give for him kicking all the asses. He's bionic, and he's got he's got that that focus. Sure. I, sure. We'll go with that. I don't know. He, he got in a lot of fights as a kid. Chekhov's focus. Chekhov's, oh boy. <laughs> It'll come back later. <laughs> so once again, Kato kicks all of the ass. And I love how you have all these guys that are on the ground, knocked out, dead, whatever it might be. And I love how Seth Rogen goes up to him and like flips over, like, who do you work? And then like, you see the guy's <laughs> head fall back because he's just dead. And he's like, oh, Ugh. all right. He goes to the next guy, who do you work for? <laughs> it's the same situation. It's like, they didn't leave anybody to talk to. <laughs> yeah. And it's great. There is one guy that's still alive, and they're like, hey. He's like the back of the car or whatever, yeah. hiding. Who do you work for? He's like, Chudnovsky. Everybody in the city works for Chudnovsky. And then they go and they crash through the wall of a meth lab, and, and Britt leaves a business card. Says, tell him that the Green Hornet gives his regards. And then they, they burn down the meth lab with, with the flamethrower on the front of the car. It's pretty great. It is pretty great. And then this guy, of course, is going to go to Chudnovsky, who's still butthurt about not being scary. <laughs> right, <laughs> and he he kills the guy that ran the lab after he tells him about the green horn. He's like, "You're afraid of this guy in a green mask, but not me. I have this cool gun that I'm holding upside down on the desk." Do you know what's scarier than Christoph Waltz doing all this stuff with the double gun and being terrifying, just as Christoph Waltz wants to be? Yeah, Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong, indeed. I forgot he was a human being, and then I saw him. I went. Holy shit. Hey, this guy's in the movie. (laughs) That's the guy from T2 and American History X. Yeah. 
and the Green Hornet, apparently, for a scene. I have an actual IMDb trivia fact for you. Oh, goody! Edward Furlong was arrested hours after the premiere of this movie. That doesn't surprise me. And what also <laughs> wouldn't surprise me is you had another IMDb trivia fact that said Edward Furlong was arrested hours before filming this movie. <laughs> yeah, apparently right after the premiere. They were like, hey, you, come with us. I get it. Look at the guy. He looks so much like a criminal. They're like, hey, we're going to cast you as a criminal. How about that? Not just any criminal. The best meth lab runner in all of this city. They did such a good job casting Edward Furlong that they had to come back down to Earth. They said, Green Hornet, Green Hornet superhero. Seth Rogen. We don't want people to think we're too good at our job. <laughs> people are going to expect greatness out of us all the time. What do we What do? We do? <laughs> I caught lightning in a bottle one time, and now they expect greatness every time out of the gate. <laughs> well, disappoint them severely. Cast like, I don't know, Seth Rogen as a superhero. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. We're going to get another montage now of more Green Hornet and Kato adventures and Chudnovsky getting more and more angry. Sure. I like how you get to see the Green Hornet doing the crimes, but also stopping the crimes. And then Chudnovsky just, I don't know, having a midlife crisis in ways. Just looking at newspapers and getting angry. He's so angry. He doesn't like that the Green Hornets get in front page on one newspaper. <laughs> it is that one newspaper all the time. Cato gives Britt a gift of a gun that shoots knockout gas because he's not a good fighter. He's not a good fighter, and I like how they own that. How he yeah. doesn't want to have like a lethal weapon that will, well, kill someone, right. I guess. Right. Because <laughs> that's a proper crime that you can't get your way out of. Exactly. So that he makes this crazy green crazy knockout, knockout gas gun. <laughs> and Brick gets offended. He's like, what? We kicked ass out there. Remember? You know, I punched the one guy. And, you know, they, they kind of fight over it for a second. And then Brick knocks himself out with the gun for 11 days. Sure, as you do. I like how they fridge the lead character of this movie. But they don't. But they don't. Yeah, it's like, oh, all right. We can have things progress off screen now. And not show any of it. Because right. that's what off screen means. What am I doing? I don't know anymore. <laughs> a Seth Rogen. It's that contact high I was talking about. I feel Jamaican right now because the Seth Rogen, the Nick Cage, I feel hot, hot, hot. I don't know. I just. Do you think that's what it was? Uh, Do you think he was like, oh, Seth Rogen wrote it? I'm going to be Jamaican because weed. <laughs> that's, that's Nick Cage's train of thought right there. He's like, Seth Rogen, weed, Jamaica, I'm in. You know what? That's as many dots as he needs to connect in his now weird brain. <laughs> What's this pig movie? I keep seeing people talking about this pig movie that he's in, that it's apparently very good and super depressing. I have no idea. I'm taking a break from Nick Cage right now because I watched Willy's Wonderland <laughs> because the experience Grind Boys made me, and I'm good now for a little bit. I feel like for every... Willie's Wonderland, you have a pig. Sure. Salutations. Here's Nick Cage. So in these 11 days. <laughs> We're back to that. All right. Yeah, no. I've, I've, I'm done with segues. They're, I'm over them. <laughs> Just like the rest of the world. Perfect. <laughs> if you're going on a tour of a strange European city, you fucking walk. That's right. <laughs> no more segues. 
We're taking our stand right here. And that's it. It's a very balanced stand because we're not on segways. I feel like that's like a very anti-Paul Blart mall cop stance to take. It probably is, but you know what? I'm willing to take that stance. Still, <laughs> I'm willing to die on. <laughs> you know what? I don't. I don't care about Paul Blart's feelings. I don't care who knows it. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't put that out there. Not on this show. Don't put that out you're there. You're right. You're right. He's beloved to some people. You know what? I take everything I said back. I love Paul Blart so much. Please don't call me a coward and tell me I have to talk about him. <laughs> I feel like we dodged a bullet there. Yeah, I feel like maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> There's like one podcast out there also that does like Paul Blart Mall Cop. They review the movie like once a year during like Thanksgiving. Oh, no. For like eternity? Forever. And now I'm realizing I shouldn't have said that out loud. People are now wise to the option of, we could do the same movie over and over. Shit. Suburban Commando, the podcast, you cowards. I I can already hear it. (laughs) You know what? I would very much watch that once a year for forever. Once a year, I think, is enough. So anyway. Sign me up. Back to my- (laughs) I was frozen today! (laughs) So good. Ugh. D.A. Scanlon. Remember? I don't like segues. Harbor. David Harbor. David Harbor. He's been trying to get in contact with Britt while he was out for those 11 days. And also during those 11 days, Cato and Lenore have gotten kind of close, hanging out at the office. Right. They talked. You know what? That's That's all it takes. That's enough for Britt to get jealous, and they fight about it because they both like her. Sure. She's old and 36. And in the office, and it's 2011. Uh Right. Kato goes out with Lenore uh, to get drinks, but it turns out that's at her house. So that's, you know, not really out. That's just like, come over and play piano with me. Which he does brilliantly because he's a goddamn Kato. he's amazing. And he does everything great. You know he's lasering in on those keys. And they're all turning oh, red. And he's like, doubt. this is the song right here. And he's like, hit that black key. And she's like, which one? And he's like, that one. They're playing together. It's, it's beautiful. But also when he goes to put his arm around her and play these high keys, she's like, all right, out of this situation. No, thank you. What was she expecting? You're sharing a piano seat together, nice and close and intimate. The only thing more creepy than doing that to like not send as many signals out is if you gave him a guitar and he said, all right, so which G string do you want me to play? Uh, That was because G string is a string on the guitar, but also a, a kind of underwear. That's right. It's an and this movie's not above that joke. No, not at all. I feel like I could sit down with Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen and write with them. I feel like, yeah. I feel like most people could. I should say that, actually. I feel like it doesn't take much. Just like, like you hang out with Seth Rogen for a little while, do the things that Seth Rogen does, and then all of a sudden you're hilarious. Yeah, right. Welcome to the writing casting director. I have two questions for you. Have you ever seen a movie before? Yes? Good. Have you ever smoked weed before? Yes? Good. This is Evan and this is Seth. They're going to write the movie with you. <laughs> I really like that voice and I need you to do it way more often. Mike Wazowski. Uh, that, that makes it less exciting. <laughs> I didn't know He's you're... got one eye. He's like a starro. Maybe I'll lay a Mike Wazowski over you when you die. I feel like balance For $200 will be... <laughs> on Patreon. We will get a Mike Wazowski doll and lay it over Brian's face. I feel his corpse. That's going to be Sorry. easier to get than a Starro. Oh, without a doubt. 
I feel like the star is going to be like garbage paper mache, though, that I like put together in my garage. Yeah. No, I don't deserve better than that. You're right. Maybe I'll put like a pull string on and get Taika Watiti to go, who are you? Why are you recording me when you pull it? Okay, yeah. It'll be perfect. For some reason, I'm imagining you spray painting it and not waiting for it to dry before you put it on my face. (laughs) (laughs) That would be very good. And like getting those weird suction cups that go on like windows and stuff. Oh, yeah. I'll sit there and like lick all of them before I stick it on your face. Erotic. (laughs) Your stupid dead face. (laughs) Oh, man. This is fun, I think. Oh, this movie, man. It is putting me in a weird, weird place. Yeah. So Kato and Lenore, they're hanging yeah, out, right? right. And uh, the G-string, but it's not his piano. Got it. And he's like, hey, what, what do you think about uh, the Green Hornet's chauffeur, his partner? And she's like, he's not a partner. He's just some random thug that he hired. But it doesn't matter because they're both going to be dead in two weeks anyway because they're drawing too much attention. They're going to be killed by some bigger crime boss. And he's like, oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. I guess that's how this city works. I have a degree in criminology, so I know after two weeks, the crime boss comes and gets you. And also journalism, so I know how to tell you all this in a way that you and the audience is going to understand. Perfect. <laughs> Around that same time, Chudnovsky emails the Green Hornet to set up a meeting. What do you know? How about that? I like his emails like Chud at, uh, it might as well be Netscape.com, but it is Chud at something. Is it Atanovsky? Because that'd be great. That would be fantastic. Because then later, he doesn't have to change much. He doesn't have to get a new domain. Whoa, 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 whoa. We'll get, we'll get there. there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Kato suggests to Brett that it could be a trap, and they should make a plan. And Brett's like, oh, I'll come up with a plan by myself. I don't <laughs> right. need you. I know you think I'm some sort of dummy, but I'm, I'm capable. Get out of here. The thing about that situation, though, is Kato's right. Kato's some sort of dummy. Yeah. Yeah. They're both mad at each other for reasons. <laughs> sure. So Cato didn't get any, and Britt didn't get any. But they don't know that about each other. They don't. They're, they're both like, yeah, you're my rival for this lady in the <laughs> right. movie. The one who's not interested in either of us. Correct. Perfect. But it's 2011, and that doesn't matter. We'll get there. <laughs> it sort of does, but we'll get there. We will but, get there. Oh, it sort of doesn't. I heard myself. It doesn't, but. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there. We'll Story absolutely wise, we'll get, get there. there. So they go to meet with Chudnovsky, and Kato is driving the whole time. He's like, this is dumb. This is stupid. We shouldn't be doing this. And Britt's like, I have a plan. Don't worry. And then Britt starts telling him his plan as they arrive at the place where they're supposed to meet. And before they can even get out of the car, they're rammed by three trucks, pushed into a hole, and buried alive. In the car, which I actually think is great. They dug like a car grave. Smart. And they're trying to get out of this now sideways car that's underground, and they're pushing dirt over it. And I loved it. It's great. I love that they had three cement trucks and they poured dirt over them. (laughs) Well, yeah. Super escapable for plot reasons. Right. (laughs) I mean, the cement would have been annoying to get out of. It wouldn't have hardened, obviously, because it it needs time. Even Quick Crete is going like, wow, they can't pull that off. (laughs) But with the dirt, at least. We've got Quick in the name. There's a chance. Ugh. Kato is like, I have a plan, kind of, not really. We're just, I'm either going to kill us or, or get us out of here. And he right. launches missiles from the Black Beauty. And they hide behind a seat. Yep. Inside the thing that's exploding. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, a giant explosion. Launches a bulldozer into the sky, which 
crushes Chudnovsky's henchman Chili, and he's he's not happy about that. He's like, ah, I'm even more angry than I was in the last scene of me getting more angry. It is so cool that they underground explode a car and then kill a guy because stuff lands on stuff and yeah, uh, it happens to be an important character to the plot. So I'm doing air quotes for plot. <laughs> the plot. It's one of Chudnovsky's main henchmen who's been right. Next we saw to him. him in one previous scene, so you go. Should remember him. Yeah, maybe. Remember that guy? <laughs> they gave him a name, so you know he's important. Even though his name right. is Chili. Exactly. So Cato and Britt barely escape with their lives. But Cato is now even more mad at Britt for getting them into the situation, and it finally comes to blows. They're gonna fight each other. And it is fantastic. It's so cool. It's so good. And it's actually kind of impressive that Britt holds his own for a while. He's going mono mono in their living room. And you have to imagine everything in this living room at this point is a weapon and it's going to get destroyed or used within the scene. Yes. And then it does. Every single they pull the TV off the wall. <laughs> and then Kato smashes Brit's face into the TV. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. This scene is probably like the best scene of the movie. It's so much fun. But it's so good. Yeah. I know this movie sounds ridiculous. I hear everything that we're saying. <laughs> And the headspace that we're in. Yeah. There are so many reasons why I like this movie, and this is one of the biggest ones. This one's huge, for sure. So they fight all over the mansion, eventually winding up in the pool, where it's revealed Kato can't swim. No, he's drowning. Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact for you. <laughs> okay. This Somebody took the time, submitted this to IMDb. Oh, it's one of those. With a tag. All right. Spoiler. <laughs> okay, it was, you had to scroll down to get to this. Oh, one. yeah, this is the very bottom of the page. Are you ready for this? important let me swallow my drink so there's no chance of spit take and action kato cannot swim in the movie (laughs) i know we saw it who was taking oh my god (laughs) can you imagine being this desperate i'm gonna submit a fact to imdb god my wife said she's gonna leave me if i don't come up with the sweetest fact ever (laughs) You know what? I, oh, I didn't man. even check to see if anybody found it helpful. I can't imagine anyone did. No, I need and to know And if anyone now. found that, we need to go find them, and we need to use them to like present to the government to be in favor of euthanasia. 11 of 40 people found this interesting. So you're saying that 29 people just said, fuck you. Yes, the appropriate reaction. Perfect. That's perfect. And 11 were enthralled. <laughs> Something, I guess. So Kato's splashing around the pool, and Britt throws him a pool toy to help him get out. Doesn't dive in after him. He nope. just throws him like a crab inflatable. Just on a big old lobster. For Kato that he got it. Yeah. And then, you know, paddled his way over to the edge of the pool. We also find out that Britt had fired Lenore over whatever perceived relationship she and Kato had. Because Kato goes there, and he's like, hey... And she hits him like, well, I don't know what you told him we did, but we didn't. So get the fuck out of here. He fired me. All the right reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Chudnovsky is pretty bummed out about Chili dying. So he puts out a $1 million bounty on the Green Hornet. Dead or alive, but preferably dead. So I feel like you don't really need to say, yeah, I mean, bring him here alive if you need to. <laughs> I can imagine that's harder to do. I feel like, yeah. <laughs> If you have him in custody, at what point do you go like, man, it's going to be really hard to 
keep this guy dead. My upper body strength isn't what it used to be. I'm going to need the help walking <laughs> him there. I can't have that dead weight over my shoulder. That's fair. I'll go with the alive Chudnovsky. Thank you for giving me that option. <laughs> Can you imagine if they're like, oh, I want him dead. One million dollars. Like, you bring him alive. And he's just like, no, nah, you voided mm-hmm. the, no, the we, deal. I suppose. Very specific in my instruction. <laughs> so criminals take to the streets, killing anybody wearing green. Right, and we know this because Michel Gondry said, I directed Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and I can be really creative and artistic for a really, really long time. (laughs) So here's a green Ford Taurus. And you get these weird panels that just keep going across the screen. Yes. Of different sort of bounty hunters, almost, of people asking questions and killing and yada, yada, yada. And telling other people about the bounty, and then it splits off into it. Yeah. It is. Art. I'm going to go with infuriating, but you say whatever you want. It's impossible to follow. (laughs) It really is. And since it goes on for forever, this is enough to take you out of the third act. Absolutely. Already. Yeah. I feel like this was the part of the movie where I said, Michel Gantry might not be the right choice because this is just way too stylized for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Where it just doesn't make any sense. And I can understand why people are like, okay, superhero movie Seth Rogen. Which is it? First of all, and it does turn out to be both, but why have such an accomplished director do this movie? It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it was originally supposed to be his his debut movie back in like 97. Which is insanity. And then he just came back around to it eventually. Which is insanity. <laughs> absolutely insane. Does does one movie, I mean, Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, great movie. Unbelievable movie. Huge fan. Then he followed it up with Dave Chappelle's Block Party and Be Kind Rewind. Be Kind Rewind is a really interesting movie. Also shot in Passaic, New Jersey. I'm always going to shout out New Jersey whenever I get the chance. Of course. He's got a weird career. He's got a very weird career. This doesn't help it. This it definitely adds to the weird. It, well, you know, then it does help it. You're right. Yeah. Also, he, he did uh, eight episodes of the Showtime original series Kidding. Sure. Which is just so good. <laughs> is it? It's a very good show, and you could tell that he's had his fingers in it. There's, All right. There's definitely some Gondryisms happening in there. Gondryism. Oh, Gondrian? Is that like, like you know, like a Mondrian? It's a Gondrian. No? you got to be real careful how you're saying this stuff. I know you don't like Lord of the Rings, and you're starting to get into that linguistic area. I just feel like Gondrian sounds like it should be like a king with a big sword who comes back. I don't want to talk about Middle Earth things. <laughs> Oh, and a dumpster behind a Berger King with a Royale with cheese. Right. 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 Even though that, You're not listening to Hello uh, from the Magic Tavern. You're not living. It's such a good show. It's a great podcast. So all these people wearing green are dead. Right. It's a problem. And Britt's like, oh, man. this I did this, didn't I? So he reaches out to DA Scanlon, feeling guilty about using the newspaper to raise tensions to this level. And Scanlon's like, hey, man, you, you, what'd you do? You put out the news. You didn't do anything wrong. And then he tells him that he can, hey, I can help you. All you got to do is just, like, send me the news stories, and I'll, uh, I'll tell you which ones you can run this way. I'll tell you, you know, spin this this way. Basically trying to bribe him so he can get reelected. We got a corrupt politician. How about uh, that? David Harbour showing up and having a, a, a role in this movie. After all, who would have <laughs> thought? I like how we're, like, we're supposed to feel like there's stakes to this character. But it's one of those things of, we have not seen 
enough of this character to actually care. See, the last I saw him, he was like, hey, want to get drunk about her dead dads? And then they didn't. Right. And then he's like, now I'm corrupt. Fuck your dead dad. And you're like, whoa, oh. hey, for $250, you can, on Patreon, <laughs> you can lay a starfish on my dead dad's face. And David Harbour's like, what, what? This got dark. This is weird. I just wanted you to change the news a little bit so I could get reelected. <laughs> Not paying people to put dead starfish on dead dad's faces. This is it's getting out of hand. Turn. Britt's like, all right, I see what's going on here. You tried to bribe my dad, and he said no. And you, now you're coming after me because you think I'm soft. And he's like, oh, son, I think you, you really think a little bit highly of your dad there. So Britt kicks him out of his office and starts looking into the stories that his father didn't run. It's something. Elsewhere, Chudnovsky has finally decided he needs to rebrand to instill fear in his enemies. <laughs> so he's going to become Bloodnovsky. So much better. And his, his remaining named henchman, who, of course, is named Popeye, which, uh-huh. for reasons, he's like, hey, that's a dumb idea. So Bloodnovsky shoots him. I love Christoph Waltz so damn much. I can't even be upset about this. It's so insane to think that, like, any other actor who read the script would be like, this doesn't make sense, but Christoph Waltz just made it work. He did, and you have this character who's thinking that he's not fearful enough to like his enemies, and he's trying to rebrand himself, but also he knows how terrifying he actually is. Right. So it just raises the fear level overall. There's so many levels to this. and It is so good. I don't know that Jamaican Nick Cage could pull it off. No, Jamaican Nick Cage would just be sitting there drinking like Appleton rum <laughs> and he'd be like, listen. And he pops up with like a bottle of Bacardi. He's like, now that's scary. And you're like, what does that even mean, Nick Cage? What is happening? I can never get on your level, Nick Cage. <laughs> I'm going to finish this red stripe. <laughs> and then I'm going to rebrand. Bloodnovsky. I like how it goes Chudnovsky to Bloodnovsky. And I feel like at this point, that if Nick Cage was sitting there, he'd be like, not the bees, not the bees. <laughs> now, that's what Britt would say, because his dad. <laughs> that's a very good point. Oh, God. I forgot that Britt's dad got my girl. He sure did. He needs those glasses to see. <laughs> he does. My Girl's a really different movie to watch now, if you've watched Veep. I have not watched Veep, and it's also been a very long time since I've watched My Girl. Appropriate for... Well, one of those things. Veep is fantastic. Yeah, so I've heard. But the girl from My Girl is like one of the leads in Veep. Oh. And she curses up a storm. You're like, wow, you're not the sweet, innocent girl who was crying over dead Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> For $300. That would be so good. <laughs> For $300, we're going to poo bear Macaulay Culkin, where we will show up at his trailer park, <laughs> and we will say, here you go, Macaulay, here's some honey. And people are going to be like, that's the worst poo bear I've ever heard. And you say, wait till you hear my tigger, but also here's some honey, Macaulay Culkin, and you just hope that he gets my girl in IRL. IRL, my girling. <laughs> and then for $350, we will put a starfish on his face. Of course we will. <laughs> <laughs> for 50 we already got the starfish we might as well put it on macaulay culkin's face reuse it i assume We're i not won't gonna be there. have the starfish and not use it 
Uh, let's make the starfish now. So we'll have it. So we'll have it. Just so we'll have Just it. So, you know, then we'll have it. <laughs> it's like an Arrested Development, whatever the last season was, yeah. where that funny joke was. The last funny joke <laughs> of that show. <laughs> where you got David Cross and not Ellen DeGeneres buying the house. <laughs> So I have it. Portia de Rossi. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Not Ellen. I love it. Nailed it. Not Ellen. Sorry. The synapses are not connecting the way they should be. Because Seth Blame Rogen it on Seth Rogen. Rogen. Exactly. Britt goes to Lenore. He's like, hey, I'm sorry I fired you, but you know criminology. So I'm going to rehire you at double your salary because I need someone to look into the Scanlon scandal. Yeah, that's right. right. I did that. That alliteration right there. Yep. You might as well make that. Joke now. Gotta have alliteration. Exactly. (laughs) So they're talking, and he tries to kiss her, and she punches him in the face. As you should. Exactly. She says, I'll only work for you if you stop sexually harassing me, which should not need to be said, but 2011. I appreciate her taking a stand. It's good. Yes. And Brits is like, yeah, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) I like that she actually uses the words, if you even so so much as look at my ass one more time, I'll file a sexual harassment suit against you. And then as soon as she turns around, he makes a point to go, it's like, ah, Right. He looks clearly at her ass and then walks away like he knew he got away with something. And yeah, that's problematic. Gross. So Scanlon calls Brit to apologize. And set up a dinner at Ganpachi Hibachi at 8.30. I just looked at you and you got kind of joy out of saying that. Uh, Ganpachi Hibachi is a lot of fun to say. <laughs> Have you tried it? Ganpachi Hibachi, okay. Yeah, see? That felt good. It does. That felt real good. Meanwhile, Kato is checking the Hornet mail, and Bloodnovsky has reached out to have the Green Hornet kill Britt Reed at Ganpachi Hibachi at 8.30. Third act Stakes. Things are happening. Sure, we need to end this movie somehow. Britt shows up to the meeting, and guess what? He actually has a plan this time. We'll get there. Kato also shows up in the Black Beauty to meet with Bloodnovsky. I love how he parks this thing, like he backs into the parking space, and he turns on the crazy green oh, lights. You gotta have headlights. those crazy green lights. It is wonderful. It's it's fantastic. They got like that like that hypnotizing pattern thing. Big fan. Super cool. Also, green headlights seem like they would never work. Correct. <laughs> but here we are. I feel like if you turn to like green fog lights, even your car would be like, what the fuck? I can't, no. I can't You're not see getting through in this, this fog. What are you doing? This is insanity. Scanlon lays it all out on the line. He's like, hey, any news that comes in about crime needs to go across my desk for approval. Right. The same conversation we just had a scene ago. That's right. Right. But but now in person, because here's the, you got to you got to realize what I'm asking you here, Brett, except now he's not asking. He's telling him this is what's going to happen. And Brett's like, sure. Oh, I've been secretly recording you. Ha ha. It's like, hey, <laughs> if, if you didn't tell him that, then you might have. I don't know. The whole entire third act wouldn't have to happen then. Oh, that's true. And we, we do want the third act to happen. Because we are sprinting to a close at this point. That's true. That's true. So Scanlon tells him it's not going to do him any good because he's going to kill him right there in the restaurant, just like he killed his father. Whoa! What? And then Britt puts the whole thing together, Kato style, but way slower. <laughs> it's annoyingly slower, actually. <laughs> Scanlon goes to James Reed with the same proposition. But when Reed refused, Scanlon went right to Chinovsky to kill one of Reed's reporters. So James Reed stopped reporting on crime to keep his employees safe. But when Chanosky started taking over the entire city, 
Reed had to do something to stop all of this. So he started reporting a crime again. And that's where Scanlon was like, oh, I need to regain the upper hand. So he killed James Reed with a lethal injection of epitoxin, which was mistaken for a bee sting. Your dad can go to the garden all he wants. Yep. Get away from your mom. The gardens it's are fine. safe. You can let off your steam. Just don't piss off the DA. Don't do it. If you're, if you're not reporting on crime, go anywhere you want. If you started reporting on crime, though, stay out of the garden. Scanlon tells Britt, that dumb look on your face for the last five minutes, you could stop trying to figure it all out. It doesn't matter. You're about to get killed by the Green Hornet. And I just love his reaction. Like, Seth <laughs> Rogen sells this. He's like, what? <laughs> That's ridiculous, D.A. Scanlon. You have no idea has how a role in this movie. dumb you sound right now saying the Green Hornet's going to kill me. And then Kano's behind him with a gun. And Britt's like, Kato, uh, before you do this, I just wanted you to know, I'm sorry. And Kato's like, I forgive you. And then, and then he moves Britt aside and he pulls the gun on <laughs> Scanlan. Whoa, what a twist. And Scanlan's like, what, you idiot? You're supposed to be on him. And Britt's like, confused? You should be. Punches him in the face and they make a run for it. They do make a run for it. They get back to Black Beauty. Yes. And they take off. And we have just the chase scene of all chase scenes. It's really, really good. It's incredible. It's so well done because, you know, Gondry. Gondry had a blast with this. And I shouldn't even say just Gondry because everybody had a blast with this. The cars are driving high speed. It looks great. Yeah. There are weapons everywhere on Black Everywhere. Beauty because my favorite thing in this movie is when Cato tells Britt to open up the car door and he says, all right, now fire. And it's a literal door gun that's in the inside of the door. So it's like a good. Machine it's gun. so cool. It is so awesome, man. It's like, how has James Bond not done this? I have no idea. And Kato's got one, too. Door guns. Door guns. Amazing. Brilliant. The two of them are making their way back to the Daily Sentinel so Britt can upload the recording to the internet. And obviously, Scanlan and Bloodnovsky are chasing them. Well, everyone's chasing them. And they don't want all them to of all do whatever they're going to do. Yeah, every gang member and crime lord of the city is following them because they all want that million dollar payout. Right. They make it to the office, and Britt loses the sushi flash drive momentarily, but he recovers it while Kato drives the Black Beauty through the office. Kato's shooting at everybody because the Black Beauty has so many guns. So many guns, and he's he's chasing people, and they have to get up to. Britt's office, which is not on the on the ground floor. So No, why would it be? He's an executive. Kato has to drive the Black Beauty into an elevator. Great glass elevator. Roll Doll would be proud. He would be. And as the elevator goes up, it, it chops the car in half. <laughs> it sure does. But it also takes out every other floor as it's going up. <laughs> because for some reason this elevator doesn't have any like safety anything. No, there's there's no So it's just goes up, and it takes out the second floor, and the third floor, and the fourth floor. And then eventually when it gets to the floor it's supposed to be at, it chops the car in half. <laughs> the car is now in half. And Britt's like, what do we do now? And Kato's like, front wheel drive. Uh-huh. And they drive half the car. And it still has all the guns. It's so cool. I love this. I'm a huge fan of this. They're driving half a car through this office, and it's incredible. So Seth Rogen went on Mythbusters after this movie came yes, out. Yes, he did. And they tested this. Like, can you drive just half a car? And it turns out, yeah. It still blows my mind today 
that Jamie and Adam from Mythbusters hated each other. No clue. I had no it's idea. Still, or at least Jamie hated Adam. And I get it. Adam's a bit much. I get <laughs> There's, it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. But on the other side of things, I always thought that like Tori and Carrie Mythbusters secretly boning and Grant was just sitting there watching. Oh, yeah. Well, possibly. I wasn't there. I can't say for fact. Hey. It just had that vibe. Go and bust that myth. Bet you can't. Well, now you can't. Grant is sadly passed on and cannot confirm nor deny any of this. This is true. But Jamie and Adam hated each other. And it's weird watching those episodes now, knowing that they're having such a ball on screen, blowing stuff up, shooting guns. And the whole time they're like, the whole time. Wish it was you at the other end of that explosion. I wish you were the target. How cool would it be? We have Buster the dummy. I wish it was Adam the dummy. (laughs) For $500. (laughs) Uh, actual murder. What? <laughs> oh my god. That is officially putting a hit on somebody. Yeah, don't don't sign up for that tier. Nope, don't do that one. <laughs> it is good for the month of October because every dollar that we make in October is getting donated to the Extra Life Foundation. Maybe do it at the end of the month so we don't have to actually do the hit. Yeah, well, I mean whatever. Even though I kind of like contractually obligated to do the hit, aren't we? I it's not uh <clears throat> The, the views and opinions expressed <laughs> in this podcast are not necessarily... Wait, are you a criminologist? Uh, you mean the study of the criminal mind? <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> Sadly, no. Oh, boy. We'll get legal working on it. Just to let everybody know. We will not do a murder. No, that's... No matter how much fun you give on Patreon, we're not going to bust that myth of life. I think it's smart to explicitly state that, yes. We will not do a murder. Whew. Really dodged a bullet that time. <laughs> Granted. Literally. If he somehow kicks the bucket before this goes out, or any time after, for that matter, we should say it was not us. Macaulay Culkin? We'll not state that one. Okay. Publicly. <laughs> okay. That one might have been us. Pleading the fifth. <laughs> was there honey involved? Because oh no, that would make us look real guilty. <laughs> <laughs> one of them kept doing a rabbit, and the other one kept doing a piglet impression. It was weird. Oh bother! Oh no, <laughs> that's. I feel like that would actually be Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, I was gonna say that's Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're finally here to do it. It's about time. My career's been dead for 20 years, so might as well be life as well. (laughs) Hey, what's Kieran up to? He's probably calling Macaulay, checking up on him all the time. Macaulay's just like, thanks for noticing. (laughs) (laughs) What is this movie doing to us? (laughs) I don't know! I don't know! I don't know why I feel this way. So many Pooh Bear references. (laughs) Thanks for coming along for the ride on this one. Nick Cage as Christopher Robin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I'm in 100%. <laughs> but only if we can have Christoph Waltz as Rue. <laughs> as little Rue. Yes. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever budget we have for this weird remake of Winnie the Pooh that we're just now discussing, <laughs> I either want Sigourney Weaver. Or Susan Sarandon as Kenga. Both. Simultaneously. I won't know the difference. Yeah. I understand that. 
Everybody else would be like, wow, how did they get both of them? How did they Which get means both of them to play the same role? The way I said wow just now really makes me want Owen Wilson in there somewhere. I can imagine him as Piglet. Oh, I like that. Oh, wow. Whoa, 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 wow. And Melissa McCarthy as Owl. Well, naturally. So they make their way to Britt's office. <laughs> Done with segues. And Kato is going to hold off all the attacking thugs while Britt tries to upload the data to the internet. He is uploading the data. I like, we see the, the lines and they're shooting around on the screen. That's true. There's, things are happening. Things are transferring to the net, as he calls it. <laughs> sure. What is this, Wainsworth? Get the net. <laughs> but it turns out there's no recorded data to be uploaded, even though we saw the lines moving, but now there's nothing. Yep. Uh, and he sees... Bloodnovsky holding Cato at gunpoint, and, and Britt's going to go full Cato vision. We get to zoom into his eye, and now he's seeing things in Cato vision. But they're not red. And he starts kicking. They're green. Things. He's not kicking asses. No, he's kicking doors he's into kicking people. Whatever's in front of him, he's kicking. <laughs> he's accidentally beating all these thugs on the way to Cato. And of course, he flubs it at the end, but he distracts Bloodnovsky. That's hard to say if you're in a, yeah. in a rush. Yeah. <laughs> To get to the end of the movie. <laughs> he distracts Bloodnovsky long enough for Kato to stab him in the eyes. Yep, he gets two chair legs, and he just digs them on into Christoph Waltz's eye sockets. Wow. And you're like, wow, that's a weird way to die. And then, just for good measure, they also shoot him in the head. Did not see that coming. All of that happens very quickly. Yeah. And then, uh, before they can take care of Scanlan... The cops show up, and, and Scanlon's like, hey, it's me, a DA Scanlon. Th- All right, same team, same team. That's Green Hornet. Get him. He's the bad guy here. So they shoot the Green Hornet in the shoulder. Sure. Which, you know, real close to being a fatal wound, but luckily, just the shoulder. The heart, famously not in the shoulder. But close to it. It is close to it. If those cops were a better shot, no more Seth Rogen. Kind of wish those cops were a better shot. Oh, come on. The- idea of a sequel looming over us oh that's right (laughs) so they're not gonna let scanlon get away because you know he knows their identities and also he's a bad man doing doing the bad thing he's corrupt so they they take the half of the black beauty that remains and they crash it into scanlon as they drive it out of the building Uh uh-huh uh and at the very last second kato activates the ejector seats that Britt earlier in the movie was like, hey, you should put ejector seats in it. So that And then he did. He did. And Neat. The, the car lands on the ground with David Harbour underneath it, so he's very dead. And he's got that sushi-shaped hard drive in his mouth, and, you know, somebody just picks it up and throws it away. That's silly. It is. It's very... David Harbour put the sushi-shaped... That's hard to say. Hard drive in his mouth, and the cop's just like, surely this is nothing crime scene <laughs> what do we usually do with evidence throw it throw it over our shoulder got it is that it that's what they taught me at cop 101 school for, for good luck uh exhibit a over the shoulder officer doofy reporting for duty wow a scary movie reference nailed it that's that's where we're at in the headspace <laughs> so they're on the uh ejector seat floating through the sky with the, with the parachutes the little record player pops out and they're they're listening to some classical music while they float above the city. Britt's like, hey, this is scary. But he's also like, hey, you took my suggestion. You, you did the, the ejector seat. He's like, yeah, it was a good idea. But they can't go to the hospital because you remember he got shot. He got shot in the shoulder. He got shot. Can't go to the hospital because wound. the police know that the Green, the green Hornet got shot in the shoulder. 
Sure. So they go to Lenore's house. As you do. Naturally. Uh, who else is still in this movie? Right. Do we have one other good character? Okay. And they tell her all about their identities, and she's like, you guys are criminals. And they're like, no, we're doing good. And she's like, all right, I won't rat you out to the cop that's at my door right now, conveniently. We're looking for criminals. Do you have any? She's like, yeah, they're all over the TV. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> that's not suspicious at all, Cameron Diaz. Oh all right, ma'am. Well, if you see anything not on the TV, you let us know. This is Officer Doofy reporting in. This old lady, thirty-six-year-old old lady, said old. she doesn't know any. She doesn't know any criminals. I think we're good here. On to the next random house. <laughs> she tries to remove the bullet, uh, but but Britt's like, no, nope, nope, got to go to a hospital. So they have to hatch a plan. The next morning, Britt Reed has a, a press conference at the Daily Sentinel. Claiming the criminal Green Hornet has destroyed the office in his successful attempt to take Scanlan's life. Which, you know, these things happen. Sure. <laughs> a little collateral damage. I love that he says that in a press conference. It's like, yeah, you know, D.A. Scanlan died. But, you know, <laughs> shit happens. <laughs> right. We'll build the Daily Sentinel, but his life, it's extinguished. And then the Black Beauty pulls up and, and Kato is driving, rolls down the window. And he's like, the Green Hornet sends his regards and he shoots quote unquote he shoots quote unquote at Brit and he, he flees and Lenore and Brit go to the hospital to treat the bullet wound while the police chase the black beauty but Kato he's he's got another trick up his sleeve because he's got a camouflage feature on the black beauty now and it's a white car so they drive right past it sure but I love how he kills two birds with one stone with this everyone's off the scent that he's the green hornet and he gets that shoulder wound fixed and he up. gets the shoulder fixed Later on, Britt tells Kato that they have a secret mission and that everything before it was total crap and that this mission is all that matters. <laughs> and the mission turns out to be reattaching the head of the statue of James Reed. Oh, how appropriate. Because it turns out Dad wasn't a dick. Well, he was a dick, but like not a total dick. But he was like one of those nice dicks. Yeah. A dick with a heart of gold. Exactly. A heart on. <laughs> a heart on of gold. Exactly. <laughs> and I like how you have Seth Rogen... Walking away off screen, doing a Seth Rogen thing of saying jokes, and none of them are landing. It's going way too long. And then it makes the credits hit really abruptly. Super abruptly. You're like, oh, it's over. Okay. It is, in fact, over. And that is The Green Hornet from 2011, directed by Michelle fucking Gondry. That's, that is the movie, isn't it? This movie has broken me. I feel like it broke both of us. I am in just such a weird place. That I don't know what anything before what it was said, clueless. No idea. All I know is that on Patreon, we might be hitmen now. I'm not sure, but that's kind of how it feels. Man, what, what service are we going to go to next when Patreon just decides to cut Bans us off? Bans us? Yeah, we're going to get banned on Patreon. <laughs> Guys, your stupid little podcast has got to stop killing minor <laughs> celebrities. Yeah, we listened to your episode. We know what you're doing on Patreon. So now, <laughs> come give us money on OnlyFans because it's for more than just porn. That's right. We're going to put honey on Macaulay Culkin's trailer park trailer and show our feet. And Macaulay Culkin's feet. <laughs> oh, and that's where we're going to get the big money. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> is, that, is that Macaulay Culkin's feet covered in honey? Oh, shit. I can't believe it. Those feet outran Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern <laughs> on film. Couldn't outrun bees, but uh, still counts. Still counts. <laughs> Shouldn't have been in the garden letting off steam. Shouldn't have done that. 
I love this movie now, just talking about it. Honestly. I, I, I actually like this movie, but in my head right now, I love this movie. <laughs> it just, there's something about it that puts you in a headspace that's like, we're having fun. We really are. It is a very fun movie. The dynamic between Brit and Cato, I think, is terrific. Yes. Because it's just two loners who are trying to find their way in the world who finally like found each other. Right. And they recognize that Brit is kind of the guy who has all this ambition, but not really, just has a lot of money, thinks it would be really cool to do something like be a superhero. And you have Cato, who has all the smarts in the world and can fight his ass off, but isn't have anybody else with him. Right. So he might as well go with the money guy. It makes sense. Fund all those fun projects. Sense. And I like how this is the Green Hornet, but it's not so much a story about Britt Reed and the character of the Green Hornet. It's more about the idea of the Green Hornet. Yes. Which I think is terrific because that's the way the movie sets it up. That There is a, a Green Hornet that is running around this city who is doing the crimes but also stopping the crimes at the same time. It's about the idea of what this Green Hornet actually is. This idea that's being pushed by Britt Reed into his own newspapers to gain his own notoriety. I love how he is trying to flaunt himself, yeah. trying to build himself up to build his own reputation. He's not hiding anything. I think that is just so cool and so unique. Absolutely. I totally agree with all of that. The movie is ridiculous. It's insane. I mean, just the premise alone. Seth Rogen as a superhero. There's barely a plot to it. You'll find it if you look hard enough. I'm not going to look hard enough. I just let it kind of all wash over That's me. That's fair. There's some really funny moments in this thing, too. Oh, I mean, you come to expect that. I would have been really disappointed if there was like if they played it straight. It would have been really annoying to watch them play it straight. But I feel like the tone never got to where I think they wanted it to get to because Michel Gondry is an unbelievable director. Yeah. No one will ever deny that. Seth Rogen is an okay actor. <laughs> But he actually is an incredibly accomplished screenwriter. Right. And I honestly, I, I was impressed with some of the things he did acting-wise in this movie. So I wasn't. It was Seth Rogen on screen, no matter how you look at it. That's fair. I was surprised by this movie. Yeah. I've only heard bad things. Really? I think they're wrong. There it is. Simple as that. It's got green in the title, so Dave likes it. That's right. It's only a lantern away from being perfect. <laughs> That's not true at all. Let's just get right into what everyone else thinks of this thing. Rotten Tomatoes 1 to 100. Go ahead. Uh, 60. 44. Critically. 43. Audience. Oh, damn. Yeah. Roger Ebert saw this and he said, I know I picked it for you boys, but I'm only going to give it one out of four stars. Oh, he says, the Green Hornet is an almost unendurable demonstration of a movie with nothing to be about. Although it follows the rough storyline of previous versions of the title, it neglects the construction of a plot engine to pull us through. There are pointless dialogue scenes going nowhere much too slowly, and then pointless action scenes going everywhere much too quickly. <laughs> Seth Rogen deserves much of the blame. He co-wrote the screenplay, giving himself way too many words, and then hurls them tirelessly at us at a modified shout. <laughs> that's just Seth Rogen that's, talking, that's buddy. Talk. Yeah. Come on. That's just how I talk. Come on. You know that, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> Roger ends this by saying, the director of this half-cooked mess is Michel Gondry, 
whose eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is as good as this one is bad. Damn. Casting about for something to praise, I recalled that I heard a strange and unique sound for the first time, a high-pitched whooshing scream. But I don't think Gondry can claim it, because it came from the hand dryers in the nearby men's bathroom. <laughs> Damn, Roger gets so cold sometimes. He sure does, and that's why we love him. He's colder now. IRL than he ever was in any of his reviews. And we can say that because we have another month before we have to hear from him again. Exactly. This is the time to actually call him out. Roger Ebert did not like this movie. There's a bunch of Roger Ebert's on Letterboxd, believe it or not. Uh, Wow. Okay. I went on Amazon for this thing. Yeah. And they were like proper like, I didn't like it. I'm like, okay. Can somebody like throw the disc in the air and shoot it with a gun like they used to do in the good old Amazon yeah. days of one-star reviews. Remember when one-star reviews were fun? Oh, my God. Now they're just so serious. They're like, I did not care for this. Had to have it in my collection. <laughs> I didn't have to have it in my collection. I chose to. Thank you. <laughs> One star. Not for Amazine, but for the movie. <laughs> oh, my God. What a change. On Letterboxd, from July 30th, 2012, while the main story is entertaining, the real threat for me was watching the subplot of Christopher Waltz, not his name, have a villain's midlife crisis. <laughs> Christopher Waltz did indeed have a midlife crisis right, in Oscar this movie. Oscar winner Christopher and Waltz. And he dropped the ER. Oh, gosh. He made himself real fancy pants. He did. He was like, Christopher Waltz? No longer. I'm going with Bloodstuffer. <laughs> That's right. It's a lot like how Michael Gondry went, how do I get more artistic? Drop the A. Michel, Michel. Gondry. Look, now I'm French. <laughs> Sacre bleu. There it is. Michel Gondry. <laughs> <laughs> From March 5th, 2017, I love it. Wait, no, I hate it. I can't make up my mind. This is an underrated masterpiece. Block me, I don't give a fuck. I like that. That's um, That's a real review right there. That is all the appropriate reactions to The Green Hornet. <laughs> this is garbage. Why do I like it so much? From July 14th, 2016, it's a shame this movie bombed so hard because I would have loved to see The Green Hornet, an XXX parody. <laughs> all right. Are people writing reviews just for us now? I looked. It doesn't exist. And that's a shame. It's that very, very much a problem. Even though I feel like Kevin Smith could have shoehorned this into Zack and Miri making I was just going to say, it, it should have starred Zack and Miri, obviously. Missed opportunity. And the last one I have is from March 20th, 2019. The movie equivalent of a Dr. Pepper left in a hot car all day. <laughs> oh, these people on Letterboxd have the best metaphors. They absolutely do. I don't know how they do it. I don't know either, but let's give this thing a super stuff score. Let's do it. Start off with story motivation. There really isn't one. There's not much. It's like, hey, uh, dad died. Let's do crime fighting. Oh, we found out that the dad was murdered by this guy who's in this small world. Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot there, huh? I think it's like a point two five because it is coherent enough. It is. There is, if not shoehorned in, you can again. follow it at least. Yeah, sure. I'll go point two five. Point two five. Hero. It's Cato. Cato is absolutely the hero. <laughs> and with Britt Reed as a sidekick as a, in a lot of ways, financier. Despite them saying otherwise, I don't like Britt Reed. 
I do love Kato. That that's agreed. Yes. I'm gonna go point five because Kato's that good. Kato is so good. And and they save the day. They sure do. By killing the DA. As you do, right? I guess so. Villains. Bloodnovsky and I guess Scanlon. Yeah, but who is it really? They're kind of playing off each other they in are. ways. They're like intertwined, but only in the fact that like Scanlon kind of brought Bloodnovsky along for his thing, and then Bloodnovsky went and became this crime lord and took over all of the gangs of LA. Oh, also apparently it takes place in LA. We'll I'm sure we'll get there we'll shortly. Get there. Maybe. They're okay. They're fine. At absolute best. Yeah, I mean, I'll give point two five for Christoph Waltz. David Harbour's not getting anything. David Harbour is not getting anything from me either because there's there's no reason for his character to. It's just like ah, all right. Why do I care? Exactly. Whereas Bloodnovsky at least is fun the whole time. I agree. Parents, that's a one. We got a dead dad and a dead mom. We got a dead mom mentioned in the opening they confirm scene, it. and then we see dead dad. Full blown one. That is a one if I've ever seen one. Female characters. I don't know why Cameron Diaz is in this movie. I I also don't know. Um, I'm just going to leave it at zero, and we'll go from there. I think that's the move. I think the best course of action is to just say, hey, (laughs) there was a woman in this movie. She was not treated well. She stood up for herself. But in the end, it was just her. It's a zero. Right. Kevin Smith cop out. Perfect. Keep it appropriate. (laughs) Setting. L.A.? <laughs> L.A., apparently. They shot it on location, so. Oh, you could tell. I don't know much about L.A., but. Los Angeles landmarks that we see. Yeah, yeah man, you know, the, the car that turns into multiple cars? That's a thing in L.A. Sure. I am going to go with a zero. I did not know it was L.A. Yeah. Yeah, I think they say, like, one time, like, he's trying to sure. clean up crime in L.A.? That's not even possible. <laughs> it has nothing to do with L.A. Nothing. Yeah. Style and tone. I don't know if I want to go with what I saw or what I think they were going for. I know exactly what you mean. The style of it is really interesting because it is filmed as a comedy. Yeah. Through and through. And it is filmed like a Michel Gondry comedy. He's got his fingerprints all over this Absolutely he does. But this is like interesting because he is such a good director and this film is really well directed. But I get that it's not a great movie. Like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everything inside me knows that. But at the same time, I kind of want to go like 0.75. It is really unique. That's where I'm landing. In a lot of ways. It is an interesting way. It, at the time, a way that they had not done a superhero movie yet. Correct. And now they've obviously done things that are kind of similar kind of but even then but still i don't think this thing's getting touched in a lot of ways no which is weird and tonally yeah that's yeah there's nothing like it that's a 0.75 i think you're right that's a weird 0.75 but i'm sticking by it yeah deserved music james newton howard it's james newton fucking howard it's okay and the music you could tell that this man has done so many scores might have been a little busy that year. <laughs> you think? The soundtrack, though, is great. It really is great. You got the Johnny Cash, as we said. Yeah. I love how you have the Green Hornet theme at the end. So which good. Is really good. So good. Overall, though, I think it's only okay. It's not something I'm writing home about. Not something that's very memorable. Yeah, I'm not going to be going and purchasing the Green Hornet vinyl. <laughs> right. 
I think I'm going to go 0.5 because it's just appropriate. I agree. I think the music is appropriate and uh, some of some of the soundtrack selections stand out, but 0.5. One-liners. I'm going to go with a zero. Mostly because this movie is 10 years old and I didn't hear a single quote about this movie beforehand. I think that is very fair. I don't even remember what they put in the trailer for anymore. Couldn't tell you. So. I don't remember this trailer at all. Yeah, I'm a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> that was your best one yet. Oh, actually, maybe just his laugh. <laughs> that's the whole trailer? No, that's his, that's the one-liner. Oh, dear. No, it's a zero. It is a zero. Zero. Yeah. Uh, impact on the genre. It's just another superhero movie. It that's is. That's all it is. Especially 2011. Yeah, there's nothing special about this movie at all. It just sort of happens. It is something you put on and go, huh, well, all right. I don't hate the way I, I spent the last two hours, but uh, I'm not in a rush to do it again. No, and that's not a bad place to be. It's a good place to be. Honestly, for a lot of movies, they wish they were at that place. I completely agree. I do feel like a lot of movies after this became a little more stylized. Yes. And just because of that, I'm going to go with a .25 to give it something. To give it something, yeah. It's not nothing. It's I understand not nothing. that. It's not significant either. But it's not setting the world on fire. That's for sure. Exactly. Uh, Neil Moritz, who's one of the producers on this, said that there would be no sequel because the movie did almost $250 million. He says it was very well liked, which the Rod Tomatoes speaks uh-huh. otherwise of that. But um, they made the movie for too much money because they made it in L.A. and because they decided to go 3D, which cost them another $10 million. They which said, is silly to do. If they had done it in a tax rebate state and not done 3D, it would have been considered a huge financial success and they would have gotten a sequel. But now they're not going to. It doesn't make it a good movie, though. Right? That doesn't. Just because it's a financial success doesn't make like, oh, critics are now going to love it. Yeah, but I think if this movie had been in a tax rebate state and wasn't converted to 3D for the $10 million, the studio would have greenlit a sequel. Without a doubt, they would have. You're right. So what do we say? 0.25? 0.25. 0.25. That's going to give the Green Hornet a total score of three and a half. I think it's a little too low. It feels low. I agree. Weird. It's, it's a better movie than that. It is absolutely a better movie than that. And this is actually one that I would recommend to a lot of people. Yeah, especially because, I mean, just talking about it afterwards is fun. It's a lot of fun. I love talking about this movie. I really liked watching it. I felt good after watching it, understanding just how ridiculous it is, though. Yeah. I think it's worth it, though. Yeah, I think it's actually more fun to talk about it than it is to watch it. Also probably true. So what you should do is watch it and then get a couple friends, throw some microphones together, and then, you know, start your own stupid show. Try it at home. That's right. The Cape Podcasters Home Game. (laughs) For (laughs) (laughs) $1,500. I guess the next question is, what are we talking about next week? I'm exhausted oh, right man. now after talking about this thing. Right? I'm this like took tired. a lot out of me. Maybe next week will be easier. I have a feeling it's going to be very similar, actually. I have a very good feeling it will be. Because next week, we're going to be talking about Garfield. <laughs> the movie. That's right. Starring William fucking Murray. The one and only. I cannot wait to talk I'm... about this movie. I'm so glad that one day I was like, hey, you know what? Comic books, they're kind of like from comic strips. So maybe we should include a bunch of comic strip movies in the Ebert list and in our future selections. And that led to a lot of Peanuts movies and Garfield being on the list now. So here we are. Here we are. I'm more excited to talk about it than I am to watch it for what that's worth. 
for sure. I agree with that 100%. But until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for for all the <laughs> for bearing with us in this one, honestly. Yeah, this one. Oh my god, <laughs> the contact high was real. Yeah, uh Seth Rogen shows up and and you feel it. Things just get weird. I feel like it's like being in a room with Snoop. <laughs> Right. You start talking about murdering your podcast co-host, and then murdering Macaulay Culkin, and then murdering Mythbusters. And before you know it, you're getting kicked off of Patreon because right, because it's not a hit site. Terms it's and agreements. To be so you can get your art out there, so you can get that additional content out there. And for as little as one dollar a month, you could be a patron too. And for as much as five hundred dollars a month, you can lay a starfish over Macaulay Culkin's corpse. I don't know how we're going to deliver that, but unsure. You know, but we'll figure it out. Maybe honestly, call us on it. Give us five hundred dollars and see if we don't. <laughs> Realistically, you're the coward for not calling us on that. <laughs> we know our limitations. You don't. Go ahead. Find out. Yeah. <laughs> Balls in your court. <laughs> uh, but yeah, subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, we're having lots of fun over there. I don't know if we're having this much fun, but we're having... Actually, our Jaws episode is, is so good. It is so good. We hope you like that drop that happened over the weekend. Uh, if you if you weren't privy to said drop, it's because you didn't subscribe. We we try to tell you so hard to subscribe. We've done um, it a couple times now. We did it with Willy Wonka. Said, "Hey, there's going to be a special treat on Christmas. If you're subscribed, that thing's just going to download automatically to whatever platform you use, and you can listen to it at your own leisure." That's right. And the same thing happened with Jaws this past weekend. Exactly. And if you missed it, the only way to get it now is to join us on Patreon. And it's a fun one. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, like our Patreon, uh, subscribe to the podcast, give us a, a rating and review, that helps us get in front of more ears. It sure does, it only takes a minute, we're probably going to start posting some things saying, hey, can you rate, review, subscribe, whatever it might be, Yeah, please, 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 please take the minute, help us out. Do the thing so we can ask other people to do the thing. That's right, it's all about <laughs> doing the thing, and passing along the thing, and telling exactly. people to do the thing. You can also like and follow us on all social media, at Kate Podcasters, on everything. Um, and if you have any questions or comments or things you want to tell us to do or suggestions for further Patreon tiers, you can send them to katepodcasters at gmail.com. Oh, God, that could get ridiculous now, can it? Oh, it absolutely can. <laughs> we don't have a $750 tier. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. There's your challenge. <laughs> Suggest what we... Oh, no. <laughs> I want to say Macaulay Culkin off the table. He's a $500, I That's think. That's right. That's right. We can't do track. anything... Of the canon of how this works. <laughs> we should have written some of this down. <laughs> but every week on the on the Facebook, we put up a post asking for your, your questions or comments on what we're recording that week. Uh, Dave, do we have any of this week? We sure do. Oh, yeah. The spoiler master himself, Micah, he wants to know, what's your favorite Cameron Diaz movie? And, weirdly enough, one of our listeners, Greg, answered it for me. He answered for you? Sure did. He said, Cameron Diaz loves green masks. Because, yeah, the mask is mine. Oh, that's a, that's a really good one. I actually am not sure what my favorite Cameron Diaz movie is. I don't think I've ever taken the time to really think about her catalog as a whole. I don't think she has either. She's I mean, I... it took whoever's going to give her a paycheck that day. So you get stuff like Gangs of New York and There's Something About Mary. I was going to say, There's Something About Mary I did like. I don't it's know really that good. it's... My favorite character. You know what? It's got to be Shrek. 
It has to be Shrek. Shrek is the perfect choice. That never even crossed my mind. Also, Greenface that she loves. Voice acting is still acting. Exactly. Still counts. Jeff Miners wants to know, what's your favorite Christoph Waltz movie? I'm going to go in Glorious Bastards all day, every day. Probably going to go with Django. Oh, he's so good in Django. I'd let him be my dentist. (laughs) You wouldn't? That laugh suggested you wouldn't. Yeah, probably not. I don't know, though. You're a coward. I see why everyone calls you a coward now. I get it. Fine. (laughs) And Phil Hawkins has got a question. This has nothing to do with anything, and I love it. That's great. Because I said, as I do every single week, do you have questions or comments about this movie or for the show? And this is the first time I said, questions about past movies and episodes are also welcome. To which Phil Hawkins said, nay, I'm not going to do that either, despite your specifications. (laughs) And he said, if you were making a new candy, what would it be and what would you name it? A new candy? Yep. I got mine already. Okay. I would call mine Heavy Hands. I like it. And it would be a lot like a warhead. <laughs> okay. Because really those things were just goddamn impossible to eat back in the day. But once you got past the sour, you're like, this is delicious. This isn't, yeah, this isn't so bad. I'm imagining it as like a just giant fist-shaped lollipop. Just covered in sour, whatever the sour coating is. I feel like they would be great for any John Favreau movie or any bachelorette party at that point. <laughs> no, that's fair. Like the places you go into, like, no, 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 miss, you cannot take your dick-shaped lollipops. You're like, oh, I have fist-shaped lollipops as well. <laughs> uh, just covering and all then the of bases. of course, the maitre d', because Michel Gondry French, he's just sitting there going like, ha-ha, you're a fan of Iron Man too." <laughs> you found. I should have said as well, not Iron Man Two. Itself. That's confusing when you say two because it there's is, a sequel. With the I, name. That, I was being French because Maitre D's are all French. That's what? true. No, that's that's <laughs> documented. Just like every garçon. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you've heard of the the candy bit of honey, something along those lines, but it would be a Macaulay honey, <laughs> and it's just. It's just Macaulay Culkin body parts covered in honey. Jesus Christ. On a stick. Uh, of course, Jeff Dunham. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> don't, don't compare me to Jeff Dunham. Phil, thank you so much for letting us Willy Wonka all over your ears. What a sweet question. Oh, God damn it. We need to get out of this episode. <laughs> Stat. <laughs> Everyone, thank you for your questions. Thank you for your comments. Brian, you got anything else? Nothing else. Fantastic. Next week, Garfield, the movie. Same pod time? Same pod. Hot dog.